Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. Bad idea has taken us over once again. That's right. It's Sunday, so uh, that damn computer, that damn button, whatever it is, I don't know if it's any X influence or what, but uh, bad idea <laughs> has, has taken us over once again, so apologize for any technical difficulties or sound issues that we uh, we have. Hopefully... Whatever's going on with my equipment that allows Bad Idea to take it over every Sunday doesn't leak over and infect my buddy Rocky uh, from the Comic Boom channel. Hopefully all the equipment is uh, staying pristine there, Rock. Well, you don't have to worry about me. The only thing that's influenced me right now is that I, I have had a couple of, uh, you know, afternoon uh, beers this afternoon, <laughs> enjoying the early spring weather here, here in uh, Southern Alberta, Canada. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm ENIAC free, at least for the time being. <laughs> that's good. You know, maybe any, not even ENIAC uh, dares to uh, invade Canada. You all are just too, too nice up there. So, yeah, we're harmless. We're, we're too friendly. There's, there's, no, there's no, you know, we're, it's all good. Oh, good. So, yeah, we're we're going to talk a little ENIAC 2. We're going to get uh, spoilery, everybody. Uh, you've had over a week to read it now, uh, because last week, rather than reviewing ENIAC 2, we let that crazy Robert Venditti on the show. I uh, hope you all got to, got to check that out. Rob had a lot to say about Takers and how much fun he's having uh, doing it and how different it is from anything he's done before. Plus, there was talk of the button and my uh, overnight camp out adventure in front of my local comic shop, homeless included. Uh, it was and it was an adventure. It really was. I was so tired the next day, but totally worth it. And somehow I ended up with two buttons again. I, I really can't believe that that happened. Uh, but yeah, homeless guy came up. Uh, can I use your phone, bro? I'm sorry. I don't have a phone. It's broken. <laughs> Please, please go away from me, smelly homeless man. Uh, but anyway, uh, to the matter at hand, ENIAC number two, uh, why don't you give your uh, initial thoughts on the, the issue, Rocky, while I uh, scroll on down to the creator page and let everybody know who uh, worked on this bad boy. Uh, well, uh, the uh, this obviously, it continues the rather interesting sort of almost like it's a computer slash cold war adventure where ENIAC is a computer that was developed in world war uh, developed and near the end of world war two. And uh, the first issue established that only one nuclear bomb was supposed to be dropped on Japan and uh, on Her Hiroshima, but not on Nagasaki. ENIAC was responsible for dropping the second nuclear bomb and the U S lost control of ENIAC essentially, and and then basically lost ENIAC. And ENIAC slowly is a computer virus, a computer program, uh, which slowly developed and is essentially been sort of working behind in the shadows for, for decades leading up to present day. And ENIAC is a national security threat for every country on the planet, basically. And, you know, the first issue introduced us to uh, two women, two super spies, working for the United States government, Olivia Fletcher and Alison Falk. Uh, that's F-A-L-K, <laughs> Alison Falk. <laughs> and uh, they, their job, they, they, they were given their orders and they were given their orders when they were stark naked because they have to go full analog because they, have, they can't have any computer equipment on them or anything like that. They have to be electronic free because any act can find you wherever you are at, were at. And 
they need to take out ENIAC because ENIAC is a, is, is a genuine threat, or at least I'm assuming that he's a threat to the entire planet because he could have just, you know, you know, what is ENIAC's game here? What is his, what is the computer goal? The ENIAC's initial programming was to protect and to protect. I, I, I guess uh, I'm not even sure what the goal was. It was to protect the planet and is ENIAC a threat to the human race? It's not really clear, but he's, he certainly seems to be a threat to governments in any event. It's last issue ended with these two agents, uh, Olivia uh, Fletcher and Alison Falk uh, being assigned to take out ENIAC. And this is where this, the second issue really, you know, it, it, it begins. Uh, They're, they're sent into, uh, they were sent into Russian territory to seek out a Russian who, uh, a Russian counterpart to the American that created ENIAC to try to get information on ENIAC to destroy him. And last issue ended with their, their plane being destroyed and that's how the, this second issue picks up. And I got to tell you, a full compliments to the creative team. And I, this, this is quite good. And I'll, I'll let you introduce the creative team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I'll just call out like, what, what the heck are you guys doing over there? The credit, you, like I understand you put the, the, the credits in the front of the book normally, or you put them out right at the end, you know, right when everybody's finished, like on a movie. Yeah. The credits are on page 13 here. Halfway through, like, what, what are you guys doing? I don't. Dinesh, Warren, what, what, what the hell are you doing, man? I got to scroll halfway through to find the credits. <laughs> anyway, the writers Matt Kent, art is by Doug Braithwaite, colors are by Diego Rodriguez, letters by Dave Sharp, edited by Warren Simons, uh, an awesome cover by Luis Rosa and Diego Rodriguez, logo and trade dress Tom Muller, uh, and this was th- so. This was interesting on 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 my first read through. I won't say that I was disappointed, but it didn't feel as the story didn't feel as dynamic as the first one. Just as much action. This is definitely an action-packed issue. It's full throttle. It's 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 all action. I feel like uh, there's a couple of character moments here or there, but for some reason it did, just didn't have the impact. I don't know. Maybe because it's a second issue and the first one was the first bad idea book. And I've, you know, been really anticipating this publisher finally getting books out there. And it, there was just a lot of hype and excitement for that first book. And I didn't necessarily feel that level of excitement when I read this one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, a lot of this was this, this does seem almost like by the numbers, the, the first issue was all set up. And I think that's why it was exciting. Cause it's, it's an exciting concept. It was, a, it was a, it's a, it's a great concept. And the first issue you, you, you really, they hit the ground running. And this second issue seems to continue the running, which began in the first. And so I think that's why it's not quite as it didn't, doesn't quite have the gravitas I find, but at the same time, while it's, Perhaps I would say almost predictable. I'm still excited. I'm I'm still along for the ride. It's sort of like the the second act in a movie where it's we're still building that big third act, and but you know still along for the ride. And it, again, doesn't quite have the excitement and the and the and the building suspense of the first issue, but it's 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 still pretty good. I'm it's still it's still impressive. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like when I when I read through the second time. You know, the quality is still there. This is still, like you said, this is still a great story. Uh, It's still, you know, the concept is still interesting. 
technically it's a very well done book. The Doug Braithwaite art is exceptional. The colors by Diego Rodriguez are, are awesome. It's paced really well. You feel like you get a big chunk of story. Uh, so there's nothing I could point to and say, oh, this is worse than issue one. If, if anything, it's what I'm bringing to it, you know, expectations that it's not quite up to what I, you know, expected. And that that's just on me because when I read it through the second time, I liked it even more than I, than when I read through it the first time. Um, yeah. But here's here. So, and here's the interesting thing. And this, you know, this may go to what you were saying, Rocky, about kind of predictable or paint, paint by numbers. It, it's, it's certainly a story we've seen time and time again, right? Like war games, the Whopper <laughs> or uh, Joshua as St uh, Stephen Falcon, Dr. Stephen Falcon called him the guy that created it. Um, this idea of a, a computer that says, Hey, I know better than you. Uh, you know, they built it to try to, Hey, let's feed it in all this information and, and see if it can figure out how to, how we can end the war, basically end world war two. That's what, why it was built. And then it sort of took on a life of its own. They, they decided, Hey, well, if it figured this out and it worked, you know, drop a second bomb, you know, first bomb, 70% to end the war, second bomb, like 99.8% or whatever it was. And it worked. Right. So why not? feed it more information. Um, and you could see it coming a mile away, like who thought this was a good idea? But again, you know, we have the perspective of living in a world where technology, we've seen it be misused and, and go sideways. We've seen it in our science fiction stories, Terminator and, and whatnot, iRobot, those kind of stories. So you can look at it that way and say, well, of course this went sideways on them, of course, right? Like. That's hindsight's 2020. And again, it's not the most original idea, but Matt, Matt Kent is doing it in such a way that it is exciting. These two super spies are, are fun to root for and they're definitely uh, capable and, and they're awesome. And the fact that they're females is, I love the fact that it's not like put, you know, thrown in our face or what have you. It's just, it's just who they are. But here's what I found interesting in this particular issue we learned that ENIAC, when the Russians stole it, that's what happened. When the, the Allies tried to destroy it. Turned out the Russians had a spy. They stole it. They took it to Russia. And that's where it sort of got loose. So ENIAC established itself somewhere in Russia, caused a nuclear meltdown that the Russians covered up, which is, I, I guess I should say Soviets because it was during the Cold War and it was when it was a Soviet Union. Totally plausible. The Soviet Union would cover up this reactor accident, it, you know, and at this nuclear power plant way out in nowhere, a small town, they were able to hush it up. Um, also, a lot of women in that area had been disappearing for years and come to find out it was it was it was these women that were abused or, you know, in one form or another abusive, uh, you know, relationships or didn't have any food or just, you know, they were not in good shape. So ENIAC was recruiting them basically, and basically established this kind of beachhead, this headquarters where he had brainwashed these women, ENIAC had brainwashed these women, giving them a place to live, a true socialist kind of utopian uh, headquarters where they could all live and their needs were met. And, you know, they're, they're willing to lay down their lives for ENIAC in order to preserve their way of life. They don't realize that ENIAC, and this is what comes across in this issue, ENIAC, more so than any of these stories that we mentioned before, where we've gone down this path before, ENIAC seems to me to be malevolent. 
most of the time when you tell these stories, it's sort of the emotion is, there is no emotion. The emotion is removed from the equation, right? It's a one plus one equals two sort of equation where the machine has decided, hey, the world would be better off without you emotional humans fucking things up because you always do because you have your wars and you have your religion and you have all you have your jealousy and your greed and, and all these emotions and this instability that causes an unstable world that eventually leads to the destruction of the world, not to mention all the environmental damage you do and, and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, it, it's a very scientific way of looking at it. Right. It's it's uh, it's one plus one equals two. It's just the facts. The world would be a better place if you humans weren't here ruining the environment having your wars, poisoning the environment with your wars and your pollution and whatever. That's yeah. not ENIAC. Any, there's a malevolence here. There's a, there's a level of ENIAC wanting revenge because the allies decided they were going to destroy it. There's a level of coercion and manipulation and kind of puppet master in recruiting these women to uh, protect it. You know, and you, what are you going to send an army in there and they're going to attack these Russian women and some, you know, and, and Russian, some of them are very young. That's a very like manipulative thing to do, you know? Yeah. Could've well, he even could have recruited yeah. any number of, of, you know, people to protect it, but going women. Yeah. So, you know, and so there's, there's this, there's this level of malevolence or evil, almost emotion that ENIAC has that a lot of these stories don't. And I think that's where this differs and where Matt Kinn has hit on something that's sort of interesting and, and how that plays out against the two uh, super spies. Cause now we've learned that the next step, they got to go and try to find one of the super spies mothers. So, and they're even saying, it, again, it looks like ENIAC is four steps ahead of us and is just pulling our strings. So that's, what's interesting about it. The, the emotional part, and maybe we'll find out it's not, but it, it's almost like ENIAC isn't just, it's not just a machine, you know, it's got, it's like got feelings. It, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. It, it's more than just a machine. Well, yeah, it even seems to have a, uh, almost a, a sick sense of humor. Right. I mean, it, it, it even threatened, it even sent a bomb, a nuclear bomb that uh, to both the United States and the Russian, uh, Russian governments. But I, at some, in, they never exploded, or they, they, you know, yeah, threatened stopped both it, of them. Stopped and, it at stopped it at one second and said, that, "Don't ever come back to this town that I've built." Exactly. I mean, it's so it, it's clearly manipulative. Now, but but having said that, I, I'm wondering if it's a possibility. Well, in fact, it is a possibility because I, I agree with you that on the surface, this does appear to be a malevolency. This is a malevolent sort of uh, computer program. On the other hand, if you know, I, I keep going back to the first issue where it said that, you know, two nuclear bombs, the second bomb would be 100 percent. That would definitely is what you would want. So it might be malevolent, but it might still have. Is it possible? And I'm just I'm wondering, is it possible that it could have the, you know, the end justifying the means? So maybe it's not above killing many in order to save the most. Uh, which is terrible, but I'm wondering if maybe it's just really, you know, it's it's a almost like a almost like a benevolent dictator that it's not willing that that it's more than willing to sacrifice many lives in order to 
maybe create a betterment for the whole. And, you know, I keep thinking that, that it has an end game here that maybe we're, we're not all seeing. And I'm wondering if Matt Kent has something under his belt that maybe there's some misdirection going on here, because if suddenly it was revealed that, that, that ENIAC was actually the good guy at the end of this story, that would definitely sort of throw, throw the reader for a loop. And, and I think that's still a possibility, you know, quite frankly, but I guess we shall see. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it certainly would be a surprise because it doesn't seem that way, but I get, I get your point that, you know, what I could be taking as um, kind of this, this emote, these negative emotions, this, this evilness, this malevolence from, ENIAC is really just thinking that much further ahead than all of us, right? Like, okay, if I want the outcome to be X, I need to do A plus B times C, and this will be the outcome based on all the different variables and possibilities because ENIAC is, is that much smarter than us. And, and I'm, pre- I'm prescribing emotions to something that really is just a formula for him to get what he wants. Is it manipulative? Well, it would be if a person did it because that would involve emotion. But really, when if you want to prescribe that to any act, maybe I'm taking it too far and ascribing human kind of traits to a, a computer program where I shouldn't. And really, it's just a formula of add all these things up and it's going to equal this. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of don't think so because there always is that sort of human factor, right? Like how are people going to respond? Yeah, if well, anything, I, I think that the end might turn out to be like, how do you defeat any act that they're, they're struggling so much? It's all powerful. It's got control of all these satellites. It's hard to even hide from no matter how remote you are. It tracks you down. We saw in the first issue how the secretary of defense had to meet with these two super spies and they were all butt ass naked out in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere in order to try to, with an umbrella over, so ENIAC couldn't um, find out what they were talking, look down with a satellite. Uh, so maybe the way to defeat ENIAC is to act like completely out of character and out of any predictable sort of behavior. Like, I, I, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because the the Russian that uh, uh, super spies, Olivia Fletcher and Alison Falk, that they can they confront they find the Russian super, uh, the Russian uh, Yuri uh, Andronikov, and uh, he ultimately, before he dies at the end of the issue, he does he provides them. Apparently, he's been incredibly. He's been he devises a way that he thinks might be able to kill Eniac through literally weaving something with the braids in his in his, I don't know if it's his hair or through materials like he from core rope memory. So obviously, he's a super genius. Uh, much like his American counterpart, Ned, there, who created ENIAC. And it's very interesting that he thinks that somehow that, you know, this, whatever he has, whatever thing he developed uh, through his analog core rope memory system is that might be able to take out ENIAC. It's what what I find, what I think is kind of curious is ENIAC actually kills, arranges, like ends arranges the assassination of Ned, the, his own creator, the person who created ENIAC. At, at one point, the Russians trade seven spies to the Americans to get this Ned, this ENIAC creator, out of prison in the U.S. to come to the Soviet Union to try to take out ENIAC. And 
and ENIAC, uh, you know, he's unsuccessful, but ultimately uh, the, the Russians, he, he's unsuccessful. The Russians end up letting this net go and he ends up getting a note from ENIAC and that the note says, if child is father to the man, then I must consider you both father and friend. You will be missed, but you will forever be remembered. And, and then it shows Ned being killed. So ENIAC, it would seem, arranged for the killing of his own creator, which would support your, your, your theory, uh, Jay said. He, it's a very malevolent machine but then his father did try to kill him you know ned did try to end him and if eniac has a has a noble goal it you know he could a computer program could be forgiven to arrange uh the assassination uh, of someone even if that someone is his creator so uh i'm fascinated by this i i think it it's making you know it's it's making me question you know i i still think i, I think he is probably malevolent but i kind of I would love a little bit of misdirection here. I, I'd still like to see, uh, you know, that maybe maybe there's more to this ENIAC story than 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 meets than on the surface. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, and being that it's Matt Kent, I I do sort of expect some some twist at some point. Um, I, I do like the idea of that this analog. <laughs> He's like, if you can feed this formula, whatever I came up with, and and uh, you know weaved it into these braids uh I, I like that idea it reminds me of wanted the not the the comic from mark miller but the movie how they when they changed stuff around and there was the loom and based on you know the thread went over under or whatever so it's kind of that sort of sort of thing which i i find super fascinating um and yeah it is a, it, it is a way for for them to get around any accessibility obviously to, to to access anything uh, electronic. So maybe it is too far an analog. Maybe that is the answer, you know, find a, find something that ENIAC simply cannot understand. Um, Cause like I said, it even seems to understand emotion at this point. So um, to talk a little bit about the art, I mean, Doug, Doug Braithwaite's art is, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the things that I love is that he, he gets a chance to use really large panels throughout the entirety of the story which gives enough detail for, for his line work because you get a big chunk of story here and, you know, in, in a usual comic, okay, you know, it's got to be limited to 20 pages or what have you, you would have to shrink the panels down in order to get the same amount of story. And then you don't get to see all the detail and the faces and whatnot that we're getting here. So uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, the, the color work is spectacular. Um, the visual storytelling is done really, really well. Uh, I, I do wish to, if I had anything to nitpick, two issues in, I wish we did know a little bit more about our uh, our two super spies. Um, but what we do know is that they're, they are very capable. Uh, so, you know. That, yeah, and they appear to have a relationship that it seems to be more than just a professional relationship between them as well. Yeah, possibly. That was possibly. implied in the first issue anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I can't I can't wait for more uh, of ENIAC. And if you're not reading this, if your comic shop's not carrying it, I'm I'm sorry. Is <laughs> what I'll say. There are plenty of uh, there are plenty of shops that are doing mail order. So I, I do encourage you. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole. It's not available digitally, and it's not going to be in trade or anything like that. Um, but I will remind everybody that both the first issue of ENIAC and the second issue 
are available and they're going to stay in print probably for uh, at least through the rest of this year as a not first print, which you, uh, if you do have a shop that is a bad idea location or you mail order, you should be able to get the not first print for a cover price still, um, yeah. at least for the first month that it, that it's out. So don't, don't pay huge prices for the not first print on, uh, online. You should be able to get it for, you know, four bucks plus shipping. So, but yeah, um, this one ends with, uh, with Yuri Andronikov, you know, they, they leave him there. They, they take his cloak or whatever you want to call it that he, and you, you knew there was some significance to that. Cause when they go to rescue him, he made sure to throw that on. And I had a feeling, okay, what's that about? Um, so they take it and they've got to go find, uh, I'm not even sure which Fletcher. Fletcher. Yeah. It's uh, Allison. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was Allison Fox, uh, mother, but am I mixed? Maybe I'm mixing up, uh, <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, no, it's Fletcher, what's wrong? Fine jewels. Yeah. Yeah, Rosa Jewels, I think, is, is yeah, Allison's mother. mother. Allison's mother. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they got to go find Allison Falk's mother. So, yeah. Uh, ENIAC appears to be, again, a few a few steps ahead of them. So, and it, it very well might be right, Rocky. It, it may be that, that ENIAC. Okay, I'm I'm ENIAC and I want to ensure that my uh, my final plan, whatever that might be, there's nobody who can stop it. Yeah, right. Well, and uh, I know I, that this Andronikov could possibly stop it. I know this this Rosa, uh, Jules Rosa or, or whatever can stop it, but I don't know where these people are. So yeah. what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a countdown that really means nothing, but I'm going to start this countdown so that I can force the hand of, of the governments of the world to try to stop me, try to stop this countdown, whatever's going to happen in three days. They're going to think I'm going to destroy the world or launch nuclear weapons or whatever it is there. And they're going to go try to stop me. And they're going to go find everything that's a threat to me to try to use it to stop me. So I can't find these people. I don't know where they have Andronikov. I don't know where Rosa Jules is or Jules Rosa or whatever her name is, but if I can manipulate events to where I can force a government to go look for them, then I can just follow their agents and find out where Andronikov is. Yeah. And uh, what, what I find actually fascinating is about this is I'm wondering what ENIAC's ultimate goal is because I, I find it hard to believe that ENIAC's goal, I can't believe, I have a hard time believing that his goal is the destruction of the human race. Because if he's malevolent, what's his, well, what's his, what's his bad guy plan? And because it's not like, I, I, I keep, I, I'm going to compare him to the Terminator for a second. You know, Skynet built other machines so that machines could all think collectively, but ENIAC isn't creating other machines. ENIAC is utilizing other humans in as allies, I mean, with like the women in the, the, the Russian women that ENIAC manipulated, ENIAC never mind controlled them. He manipulated them through persuasion and propaganda, which is really no different than what we humans do when we manipulate each other, really, when you think about it. So ENIAC really is, he's, you know, he's just like the rest of us. He just happens to be a computer and really, really smart. And I, I don't think ENIAC's goal is the destruction of the human race. I might be wrong, but... 
I, I don't see why, why he would want to do that because then he would just be one computer governing an, an empty world. There has to be more to his plan here than just destruction. There has to be. Yeah, I mean, we have absolutely no, no clue. So I do think that little interlude we have when, uh, so the, the Caucasian super spy is Olivia Fletcher. And when she almost drowns when the car goes off the bridge, we get that little flashback where we see her mother and her mother has some sort of microchip and she's asking how to make a finite mind infinite and her her daughter doesn't want to, you know, and I'm assuming that daughter is Olivia Fletcher, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. She's like, well, I'm just going to listen to my my music. So I do think that um, okay. this woman, this uh, Rosa or Jules, Rosa Jules that's in Sweden, I do think it's Fletcher's mother. Right. So yeah, um, that makes sure. sense. Yeah, okay. I mixed them so, up yeah. there. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I had a mixed up in my mind too. For some reason, I thought Alison Falk was the Caucasian, but Alison Falk is the African American one. So, yeah. But you're right. Um, we got uh, 58 hours left, I guess. 58 hours, 45 minutes, 44 seconds as this yeah. issue comes to a close. And I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But but you're right. It is a big uh, a big question. What is ENIAC's goal? You know, what is it, its end goal? And I think that um, I really do think I'm onto something when I, when I say that this countdown to me is a red herring and it was ENIAC's way of kind of, okay, let me find the people that can stop me. Where's Andronikov? Where's uh, Rosa Jules? Let me, Put, it, put out this fake countdown and that'll spur everybody into action. I'll just follow them along. They'll lead me right to the, the people, the only people that are capable of stopping me. Uh, I really do. I mean, that's a small twist, but I could see Matt Kent doing that uh, for sure. Uh, and there is a B side here, of course. Um, it's by, let me get to the, the credits here. It's written by Matt Kent. We have Davum Lapham as artist and it, it seems to tie into the hero trade, uh, which I still haven't, seen in in person or been able to get my hands on or or even read um my shop did get one but they they threw it away uh because they thought it was just garbage um so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of it's like i think they're they're going for like 1400 dollars at this point but oh wow uh yeah i th i thought this was really interesting um i i like this whole idea of this hero trade world that they're they're building um and I, I know they've said they're not going to do collections or what have you, but I do hope that we get at some point, like you can collect these like three or four parts of the hero trade into like a regular issue and just send them to, to comic shops. Um, because I, there's a lot going on here. Basically a guy, he's buried alive. Uh, it's called uh, the bloody mess. He's buried alive next to his, his kids, which is just horrible. His kids are dead. Um, oh. And he, it's in a green leaf oil field. So to kind of tie it into a tied universe, green leaf oil, of course, being the oil company from tankers. So this guy heads back home. He's all jacked up. Uh, his house is, is a mess. He climbs inside uh, or tries to crawl inside, passes out, wakes up in the hospital the next day. There's a couple of douchebag cops talking to him, basically not believing anything he's saying wait so you woke up in a shallow grave you know we we think you killed your wife and he's like what are you talking about i woke up in a shallow grave 
next to my kids who, you know, are dead. I've been in a coma for three weeks. I just woke up. Uh, you want to know where I was? I was in this grave that night. Oh, you know, somebody attacked me in our house. I blacked out. Oh, do you black out often? Just, you know, like I said, douchebag cops. His wife is missing. Nobody knows where she is. Um, and even this guy, he's like, I, I, I have no idea. What do you mean? She's not, not here. He doesn't even know that she was missing, you know? So bad enough. He's lost his kids and he finally gets out of the hospital. He goes back to his house. It's been condemned. Um, and he's just kind of there. I mean, this guy's lost everything. He's lost his wife. He's lost his kids. <laughs> and so as he's hanging out in this mess of a home that he still has, uh, somebody rings the doorbell and it's this strange, this guy wearing a strange looking like goggles and mask. Um, since sorry to bother you, it turns out your wife had a, a $12 million insurance policy. <laughs> now that's not going to help this guy out in terms of the cops. The cops are going to go, Oh, you have, yeah. your wife had a $12 million insurance policy. Now we know <laughs> you killed her. Now that's a motive for the cops. But, uh, he says, the guy says, well, there's just, you sign this and an NDA and you get the money. And there's just some things that I need to to collect. And he walks out back to a shed and the guy's like, wait, what, what things? And the guy goes in the shed basically and opens up this secret door behind a wall with a bunch of tools attached to it. And there's this costume there. It turns out all along this guy's wife, uh, Mrs. Salito, Marta Salito was a superhero. Uh, and her <laughs> costume is there with all the accoutrements and, and whatnot. And the guy's telling her that she died a hero. That's why she's missing. She was out fighting somewhere. I don't know why she wasn't fighting in her costume, but it does make a lot more sense why the house is all wrecked, right? Like maybe she got attacked at home. Um, maybe some supervillains found out her secret identity, came, kidnapped her husband and kids, and were holding them to make her do something that she didn't want to do. So maybe that's why she went out without her costume. We just don't know. But what I'll say about this story, in only eight pages, Kent and Lapham establish a really interesting narrative that I – desperately want to know more about there's more intrigue and mystery here than than there is an ENIAC in a way um yeah. and I think that that is established by this point of view character we have of um of uh Mr. Salito I don't know if they give him a, a first name but of but of him waking up you know as a father him waking up next to his um his two sons Josh and Carl they're dead in the ground next to him I mean oh my god you know, I can only imagine how terrible that is. He clearly cares about his wife, despite what the douchebag cops think. It's clear that this guy is distraught. Um, so and even when he goes back to his house, I forgot to mention the cops are outside watching. Those two cops are outside watching him. Like, what do you this guy's like suffering and these cops just want to pin these murders on him? It's 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 really terrible. Um, but I think that's that's what draws you in is, is your POV character. The tragedy that he's been through, the emotion he shows, the loss, the trauma, um, and the fact that he didn't even know that his wife was a, a superhero. So I don't know. I really this is so far is my favorite of the backups that we've had um, of the three issues of um, of bad idea yeah. so far between ENIAC one, Tankers one, and ENIAC two. This is my, has been my favorite backup. So I thought no. it was out, I thought it was outstanding. 
Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. It's it's nice to see. It sort of turns the trope on its head. This would have been an extremely boring backup if it was told from the perspective of his wife, who is the superhero, because we, we, we would have known then that the wife has a secret identity. She hasn't told her husband her secret, et cetera, et cetera. It would have completely changed the perspective of the story. But, you know, it, it's it's really great to come into this story and we're just as baffled and as lost as the protagonists, you know, waking up, what, what happened? Our kids are dead. And all of a sudden we, you, you find out that your wife is a superhero, $12 million insurance policy, government agents showing up, insurance agents, what's going on? Uh, have strange dreams, destroyed house. I mean, this, this really has all the hallmarks. If a movie started off like this, this would be fantastic. It would capture you immediately, you know, capture your attention. You're standing up. It's like, Oh my God, what's going on this would actually you know it's a great premise it's a great way to start off a uh great way to start off a a, a story yeah i i agree it's it's excellent and it's dave and lapham art you know the guy's a legend at this point um doing it in black and white and having david lapham art give, definitely gives it a an independent feel um yeah. and, and it and and because of that I, I feel like that does add to the intimacy of the story you know uh even though this is potentially a, a big story in scope um, they managed to keep it kind of small. You know, you're not asking the questions of, well, does this, is this world inhabited with all kinds of superheroes or you're, you're not worried about that. You just, you feel for this guy and you want to know why his wife kept a secret from him and how she died and, you know, what's going to happen with uh, this insurance policy and these uh, douchey cops and, and whatnot. So yeah, really, really great uh, backup, really great B side. So uh, all right. Well, I think that does it for this uh, this episode. We'll go ahead and uh, shut it down and I'll purge all my systems from uh, the bad idea takeover. And we'll be back uh, <laughs> with our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, but I'm sure bad idea once again will take us over next Sunday because there's a, a tankers one book that we're going to try to talk about. So that'll be for uh, for next Sunday's episode. So uh, anything else you want to add, Rock? Uh, no, just uh, just. You know, it's impressive. You know, this uh, this bad idea publishing company has so far has come up with some pretty good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. The stories are top notch for sure, <laughs> which isn't a big surprise considering the level of talent. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And the books continue to be hot on the spec market, which, you know, whether yeah. you you like it or not, whether you think they're manipulating the market or not. I personally don't you go. You can go and see or watch our episode with Dinesh and Warren. Um yeah, it just, it kind of is what it is. It is a limited uh, product, you know? There are a limited number of stores. That's not to say they're gatekeeping because any store can join. You just have to be willing to sign up and follow the rules. Uh, and we've yeah. talked about those extensively, so I'm not going to go over them uh, once again. But uh, all these rules are in place to drive foot traffic into comic shops and to help local comic shops. So to me, that is a good thing. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We want to thank you for joining us as always, and we will talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource, 
Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.